Will you all please stand with me for the reading of God's word? From Isaiah 43. But now, this is what the Lord says. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. You are my witnesses declares the Lord, that I am God. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Blessings on the reading of his word. Amen. Let's just pause for a moment in the silence, even as we are... always grateful for what we understand in God's word and always aware of how much there is to learn. And so we give thanks for what we understand and we give thanks for what we are about to receive. Amen. Before you sit, I want to uh, read just a portion of what Matt read to us this morning together, all of us. Forget the former things. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert and rivers in the badlands. So Eugene Peterson gives us another way to think about where the uh, word of God is going to show up. And it shows up in places that people don't expect it. This word was written to the Israelites and they were being reminded of how God parted the Red Sea and that God did that for them. And now... It's not going to be the parting of a sea to get rid of water that's going to be the answer. It's going to be water coming through a desert 
to offer them refreshment. That in the places where you least expect God to show up, God is going to show up. And so, you know, we don't really kind of look at the, um, the calendar and say, oh, what cute thing could we do for New Year's? We actually received this as a prophetic word, um, Scott and I and Sarah, for our family and for the church uh, um, just a bit ago. And we've been meditating on it for a, uh, a good long time, over and over and over again. And we're saying, God, we already love this scripture. In fact, Isaiah 43, um, I've been in Isaiah 43 for 16 years. I haven't been able to get out of it. It's actually one of the scriptures. If you go on retreat with me, you, you're guided in what's called a Lectio Divina process, which is the meditating on scripture with Isaiah 43. And I can't get out of it. I've tried. I've tried to get out of Isaiah 43. And do you ever have a scripture like that? Like you think, you know, there's a whole lot more Bible, Jesus. Don't you want to talk to me about something else? But this Isaiah 43 has been a regular place of landing for me. And then, of course, you know, what we realize is God gives us something in community together. And what I know about God is you need something new, too. Not just me. You need something new, too. In fact, the reason that God says his mercies are new every morning is because you need it. I need it. There isn't a day that goes by that you don't need something new. So whether other things are, you know, there, you have great things going on, there's places in your life where you're saying, God, I need new. Can you just say, I need new? Right? If it's you, you ought to say it like you're praying it. I need new. Right? And, and I love the fact that, um, you know, I'm the kind of person that I think I can multitask, but the truth is only 2% of people really can. They're called uber-taskers. The rest of us think we're multitasking. We're not. You can only think about one thing at the same time. So here's the reality. We think we're multitasking, but we're really fragmented. And what I discover is I have way too many windows open on my computer or on my phone on a regular basis. Is anybody else in the same boat? And then what happens? When you have too many open, what happens? Yeah, yeah. Freezes, shuts down, spins around. I mean, all kinds of things happen. And what do you have to do in order to get your computer or your phone to work again? Shut it down and start it up. And so I love that the Christian calendar, um, beginning with Advent, by the way, Christmas isn't over. That's why we still have this here. In fact, what you're living in right now is called Christmas Tide. And it doesn't end until January the 6th, which is the Feast of the Three Kings or the Epiphany, which is the celebration of when finally those three magi showed up about two years into Jesus' life. So Christmas is not over. What we're realizing is, is that the Christian calendar gives us a way to reset our lives. That actually we begin with the beginning of the Christian faith, which is the birth of Christ. It is the getting ready for the birth of Christ. It is God being born in us today. And so whether you've known Jesus a minute or your whole lifetime, let's let Christ be born in us today. Let's let a new thing happen. Let's let this old, forgetting about what's happened, don't go over old history. Now, you, what you might want to know about the history of Isaiah 43 and the reason that Isaiah is talking to them about the Red Sea is he's saying, you might just get stuck on your successes. 
and think you don't need to do anything else to open up to God's grace. You might think, oh, yeah, I knew Jesus like that. Oh, yeah, I've, I, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I've read that. And we will close ourselves down from what God can do today. So Isaiah is telling them, forget about your history. Wake up to something new. I love that actually the, the beginning of the reading that uh, our friend Matt started us with is it says, it's be, you know, it, it, he actually used the word behold. The word behold is found in the Bible over 1,000 times. And it literally means wake up, pay attention, I'm about to say something, right? Be, behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Behold, I do a new thing. And you're going to see it spring up. So let's all behold this morning. So if you're asleep, just, you know, get, get yourself up. That's why I have you still standing, because I really want us to be awake, right? We could do a little bit of yoga, get you guys up and awake, some calisthenics. Let's do the president's uh, fitness program, whatever, because there is something we could behold if we're awake. Amen? Are you all ready to behold? All right, 2018 is coming. Go ahead and sit down. I love the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is such a gift. He is speaking to them in uh, either a time of Babylonian captivity or exile. We're not really sure historically, but it's something not great. It's something barren. It's something you're not connected. You feel disconnected. Something hasn't happened yet. And that is who Isaiah is prophesying to at the moment here. And I think about the people that I have admired the most in my life, and those have been the people that have been exiled or imprisoned or in trouble or suffered or had to hope for something when nobody else would have hoped. People like Nelson Mandela, right? Nelson Mandela, a major force for the anti-apartheid movement in South Africa. Nelson Mandela, this man who was a cultural symbol of freedom and equality, going from that young revolutionary and being imprisoned for 27 years to becoming the president of South Africa. And I think to myself, he, these words when he say, may your choices reflect your hopes, not your fears. I want to say that's somebody I want to listen to. Amen? Right? I, I'm looking for somebody who's actually been in prison for 27 years to tell me I can hope. Not somebody who's had it all, you know, silver spoon in the mouth and looks like it's easy cheesy. But if you've been watching The Crown, you know they didn't have it easy either. Yeah, anybody watch The Crown? Yeah. There's, and so, you know, so what we know about Nelson Mandela is this dude was courageous. He was he was lion-hearted like Kathleen, right? He was a person that had this ability to stand firm in moments that were really dark. So much respect for this great leader of our time. For Maya Angelou, she said, hope and fear cannot occupy the same space at the same time. Invite one to stay. 
Just invite one to stay, right? You can't, I mean, that you, we can't have both of them occupying the same place at the same time. Well, what about Maya Angelou? Well, of course, you know, she had a varied life. You may just know her as poet and academic and educator and actor and dancer. But what you may not know is that she was actually a prostitute and a 16-year-old unwed mother who was raped as a child and went mute for seven years and during that time fell in love with Shakespeare. Can you imagine? And so we have this beautiful person who shows us streams in the desert that God can do a new thing out of someone who it looks dark and bleak and no hope. I am a lover of hope. So I'm reading, of course, you know, um, I'm reading about uh, neuroscience and hope and Scott had to cut my pages back at least 15 and say, the people don't want to know all of that. And uh, he's always so good about that. He said, you know, I like that. Yeah, let's, let, why don't you share that part of it? So we laugh about it, because I always overshare, don't I? Or as uh, uh, Josh says, I always know I'm going to learn a word I never heard before when you're preaching, right? And, uh, and, and it's just because I'm trying to learn something new every time I talk to you. So I'm learning a new word every time I'm talking to you. So CNN did this wonderful article about how hope has an anatomy. And they interviewed some great researchers of hope. And this one researcher of hope, Jerome Groupman, he wrote this book called The Anatomy of Hope. And he said, researchers are learning that a change in mind set has the power to alter neurochemistry. Belief and expectation, the key elements of hope, can block pain by releasing pain's brain's endorphins, mimicking the effects of morphine. Do you know that you could catch a buzz right now if you were hopeful? If, if, if we would allow hope to emerge in our midst, we actually could feel the goodness of something other than the weight of what is difficult. I love Hafiz. He said it this way. He said, fear is the cheapest room in the house. I'd like to see you living in better conditions. Fear is the cheapest room in the house. I'd like to see you living in better conditions. And does it mean that if you are hopeful that nothing bad is happening? No, my friends. We just looked at Maya Angelou and Nelson Mandela. Hope actually is found when you learn to hope in what is only possible, which is God, God's own self. God is able to make a stream in the desert. In the anatomy of hope, he goes on to say, hope can also have important effects on fundamental physiological processes like respiration and circulation and motor function. So I wonder if the opposite is true. You know, whenever my respirations and my circulation and my motor function is off, I'm probably feeling a little hopeless. I, I, and I might want to just get that natural good juju going. Shane Lopez, who is an intelligence researcher, wrote a book called Making Hope Happen. Can, wouldn't that be great if we were people who could make hope happen? Right? Matt, your work with United Way, Battle Creek, and Kalamazoo, you make hope happen. We're so grateful for that, right? Sherry, in your practice, working with people through trauma, you make hope happen, right? Where's Shirley? Shirley, your work with the juveniles in this county, you make hope happen, right? 
not blight when you stand here and feed people with the food pantry. You make hope happen. Hope is happening. You're releasing the goodness of God in people's lives as you make hope happen. See, hope promotes healthy behaviors, including eating fruits and vegetables. Did you guys know that? This is spectacular. I've been wondering, you know, because all I've filled myself with is cheese this holiday season. And I'm making no apologies for it, but there are fruits and vegetables in my future. So hope promotes healthy behaviors, including eating fruits and vegetables, regular exercise, safe sex practices, and quitting smoking. Hope for the future is clearly linked with daily habits that support health and prevent disease. Hope, man, hope. Hope is not this ghostly, ethereal, out there, what is that weird thing. God did it. God put a rainbow in the clouds and said, hope. Because the gloom of clouds was all over the place when the first rainbow showed up. And God said, I'm putting a rainbow in the clouds for you. I want you to have hope. Yeah, it's still, you know, it's still raining. It's, it's still gloomy. It's still, it's still flooded, but hope is coming. Hope came to Haiti through you this week. Hope came. You know, the children receive a meal, but they go home with rice and beans and oil, and they bring home hope. That is what you did this week as a part of Crossroads Church. And hope matters, my friends. We need hope. Now, you might say, well, Claire, you know, that's just way out there. How do we do hope? How do we experience hope? Well, in that same article by CNN, it's, they talked about five main pathways to hope. And they actually uh, identified this through these researchers that were working on this um, children with chronic diseases from the Claremont School of Theology. So they did some research to find out how to help kids with chronic diseases get hope. And one of the things was maintaining identity by continuing to participate in activities and relationships outside of treatment. Now, do you guys all get that? So, you know, if, if it was all inside treatment, it would be all about that. Like, this is my whole life. It's all about what's wrong with me. So there had to be these healthy activities, right, outside of what they were facing into. So I say that to people, you know, I love, you know, things like grief share and divorce care and AA and uh, NA. I mean, those are great graces, but then you got to go out of those places, right? So that you're developing healthy relationships out here to begin to experience what else is hopeful, these are nine main or five main pathways. Realizing community through conversation, visitation, consultation, and participation in daily activities. So we got to get up. You got to move your body, right? And in fact, um, I have to tell you, I, I was, I've had a, a really difficult month. And so Scott and I have been working on this writing project. And on several occasions, I wanted to... Um, give over all my intellectual property to the other three author authors and just say, I don't even want to see you people for a really long time. And, uh, except for you, honey, but not in the author, not in the author sense. It was just, it was, it was grueling. It was dark. I mean, I, again, I ate a lot of cheese. There was a lot of cheese eating this month. And, and I would just have to get up and say, wait, I got to get up. I've got to get up. I've got to change my activity. I've got to turn, turn on some hope-filled worship music. I've got to change the channel here. 
I've got to, so, you know, we called uh, Sean and Kathleen. I hope you have friends like that. And we just said, hey, can you come over? And I know she won't mind me saying this. Kathleen says, I'm not very good company right now. I said, well, neither am I. That's why I wanted to invite you. And so the four of us, we were together and we encouraged one another and we blessed one another and we reminded one another. And I got to tell you, I felt a hope rejuvenation. Did you, Kathleen? Because we were the most hopeless. And Scott and Sean are always fine. Um, but, uh, you know, but uh, there was fresh hope. There was fresh hope there. Claiming power by taking an active role in your own treatment, by setting goals and self-advocating and monitoring and maintaining your own health, right? This is our responsibility to say, how can I maintain my own health? How can I participate? Maybe I need to set up an appointment with a therapist or with a doctor. Maybe I need to participate in something. Why? Because it'll give you hope. Hope comes alive when we're doing that. Develop wisdom, gain pragmatic medical wisdom derived from one's own experience and finding ways to then what? Give back. Give back. Did you guys see the movie Stronger, Jeffrey Bauman, the guy who had his legs blown off in the Boston Marathon? Anybody see it yet? Well, I'm not recommending it. It's pretty rough. It's got a lot of rough language, but I loved the ending. So here he is. I mean, he was, he was just, he was, he was hopeless. He started drinking too much. He was, he had lost his hope. He couldn't see a new thing springing forth at all. And then he met the man who saved his life, who was the man who lost two of his children, one of them in Iraq and the other one uh, for another reason. And he tells him the reason he stayed to save him that day instead of running away is because he wanted to give back. And I got to tell you, friends, something happens in us when we give back in our own hopelessness. Something, something springs up. Isaiah 43 says, forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Behold. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert and rivers through the bad lands. Friends, there is always a new thing that is sprouting up. We might not see it, but it is in the works. Always. God is always saying that there is something new about to happen. And so when I think about Isaiah 43, forgetting former things, don't dwell on the past. Let me see a new thing. Let me see what springs up. I want to perceive it. I think that there is this way that we could look at it. So Bonnie and I were talking about this scripture and she said, what do you think a thing is? Behold, I'm going to do a new thing. So when you think about the scripture, there's all these news in there. New heart, new covenant, new creation, new day, new mercy. I mean, look up new. All kinds of new stuff, right? New creation. It's really cool. But new thing? New thing. In fact, in my house, thing was almost like a swear word. If you said it's a thing, my dad would say, and can you say something else about that? Like he wouldn't let us just say thing. He wanted us to dig deeper in our vocabulary and see if we could come up with something other than thing. But God liked the word thing, Dad. Now you know that. And, uh, and so I'm going to do a new thing. Well, what could this thing be? Well, I'm sorry you can't see it, but this is my acronym. To hope in nothing but God. To hope in nothing but God. 
That's the thing God's talking about. That's the new thing. Because everything else can shift on you. But to hope in nothing but God, that's the thing. That is the thing. Because when things are dark, bleak, imprisoned, whatever you want to call it, there is a thing that God is about to do. So I'm going to invite you to stand with me. And I want to just say, you know, if the Lord is saying, I'm going to do a new thing, and God is always doing a new thing, God is always up to a new thing, will you embrace it? That's, that's up to you and me individually. And will you receive it into your new life? Is it a new job, a new relationship, a new health, a new purpose, a new what is it? I don't know. Uh, but I know that there's going to be something new continuously all year long because that's just who God is. New morning mercies. And so um, we have a decision we can make right here on this last day of 2017. We could say, God, I want to see what is brewing underneath that's about to sprout up. And so I just together, if we could just be alone with God in a room full of people and say, God, you want to do something new in me? That is your first and foremost desire is to let something be born in me anew today. You always put a rainbow in my clouds if I'm looking. There's always something about to sprout up that I can't see yet because it's still in the earth. There's always a spring in the desert. There's always a new thing to hope in nothing. God. And that when our hope is built on that foundation, we, like the greats before us, Isaiah, Mandela, Maya, and our hero, Jesus, will trust that something new is being birthed, a new thing. And you don't even want to tell us what it is yet, so you're just calling it a thing. So that we remain beholding and alert and aware and we're watching every day. What's the new thing today, God?
they behold all year long that they're awake and alert to the good to the hope in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit blessing them all 365 days of this coming year with hope in Jesus name Amen God bless you guys Happy New Year